These things always begin in a bar, I suppose, my host said. The cardboard coaster stuck to the bottom of his glass, and he blinked at it in an unfocused way while he swallowed. A waiter cruised off into the darkness for refills. I put an olive between my teeth and pulled a little pink sword out of it, like a plastic Excalibur. Evidently, it wasn't normal social drinking at all, he went on. Some days he came into work about eleven, just blotto. Other days, not even a drink at lunch. And, of course, he always got the column out, no matter what. Once before this, he skipped a whole day, never showed up. He told people he had gone off to the place in Napa to be by himself and think. The waiter brought us another round, and I started right away with the olive, lining the sword up beside the two others Mr. Schultz had bought me. The table was beginning to look like an armory for elves. Did he go up to this Napa place alone? Cabin a small cabin up in the Sonoma Mountains, west of Oakville, past the Mondavi Vineyards, about twenty minutes. I nodded twice, because I knew the area, and because I like the Northern California habit of giving distances according to vineyards. Metric is coming. Alone, you think? Schultz inspected the ice in his drink, He was not really evading the question, he was just uncomfortable about the whole interview. The loyal family friend helping out the panicked wife, not a voluntary witness. A lot of lawyers are like that. Then again, maybe he was only deciding how truthful to be. A lot of lawyers are like that, too. The ice cracked loudly. Well, he said so. Anne asked me to talk with him about it, so we got together for lunch and we talked. I asked him the same question. I got a funny answer. He took a swallow. A very high-strung guy, you understand. Very intense on occasion. He said he had gone there as a kind of retreat. Retreat? He said he could hear time rushing by him, and he had to come to terms with it. Schultz looked down at his drink. He said when he stood on the mountain, he could hear the passage of time howling like wind in a tunnel. I remember that exactly, like a quote, because, after all, that's not usually how people talk in a law office, is it? I thought it was pretty poetic. He probably read it in the Sunday papers, I said, and regretted it. There was no reason to get Schultz annoyed just because I had put in a long, weary, useless day in Santa Barbara talking to a runaway nineteen-year-old and still had a file in the back seat of the car to get through and a report to dictate. Besides, I thought it was poetic, too. In my business, it usually comes out, Honey, I'm going down to the corner for a pack of cigarettes. What do you think? I asked. Did you believe that? I guess so. I actually chalked it up to a sort of midlife crisis thing. I've seen it before. A guy gets close to fifty, starts to look around at his life, and wonder what's the point. He begins to feel he has to change something, anything, about the way he lives. Schultz sipped his martini. Usually he just changes the wife. Is that a problem here? Schultz shrugged and continued as if I hadn't spoken.
Sometimes these guys don't change anything at all. And then they go a little sour inside and shrivel up. That's a shortcut to old age. He paused. George is given to imagining scenes of his own success, if you know what I mean. The big story, the big break, the rich life somewhere else. He's the kind of guy that might half-bust loose and go live on an island. Schultz looked past my shoulder. For a week or two. Not many people ever really do more than that. I nodded, and Schultz sucked a piece of ice. If he had gone through a midlife crisis thing himself, it hadn't taken. He was wearing a black, pinstriped suit like I used to see in the city of London—